0: want you to be able to talk to someone you want we want you to be able to connect with people that are going through the same thing we encourage you to talk about these pain points it's not a competition share your struggles because there's wins out of all of them hi everyone i'm sid sharice
1: and i'm david bosher
0: and you're listening to destroy the hairdresser the podcast
1: where we teach you to salon differently I hate to burst your bubble, but stocking retail shelves does not make you money. But you know what does? Online sales. We have partnered with Salon Interactive to bring you a free marketplace to sell the products that you love to your clients and followers without having to spend a dime on retail. Instead, you get to make a large commission from your sales, whether your clients and followers buy them at 2am from their couch or directly from their phone while eating breakfast. Making money in your sleep is now possible with Salon Interactive, and the best part is it's free. Visit saloninteractive.com DTH for more details.
0: Let us introduce you to one of our favorite product companies, Reverie.
1: Reverie is hair care for all humans, no matter your hair type. Their clean and innovative formulas nurture the integrity of your hair for unrivaled results.
0: Reverie is made intentionally in California, paying attention to detail at every stage of the process. Their mindfully sourced vegan ingredients and environmentally friendly packaging showcases their commitment to creating alchemy in a bottle.
1: Reverie was created in 2011 by Garrett Markinson and continues to be a family-owned and operated business to this day.
0: Tap the link in the episode description to get connected with our friends over at Reverie. I was actually thinking about this the other day uh, while I was running (laughs) because I started listening to, I needed like new running music and I started listening to like the soundtrack to my youth, which was like all the like emo music from, no, (laughs) all the emo music from like 2004 to 2012 Uh, and (laughs) I was actually listening to a Motion City soundtrack song and Ah. um the song is everything's all right and it's about having ocd and i remember when i heard that after i got diagnosed how seen i felt for a minute and it was awesome because a lot of people struggle with ocd and we're going to talk about anxiety and all of that but i think it's very like stereotyped like
1: yeah like you gotta tap This and touch that—that is
0: very much a real part of it, but it is not the only part of it. And I was actually talking about—it's really harmful when people are like, "Oh, I'm so OCD about that." Like two people that cannot help those situations. But I was listening to it, and a lot of it—it's called "Everything Is Alright" because a lot of the song is about like worrying about people, and that like was the key trigger of my OCD. Is I obsessively worry about people to the point that intrusive thoughts are like insane. And I had to really learn how to use that in my career because obviously think about that. If a client's mad at you or a stylist is mad at you or someone is mad at you, especially when you're already in a world of thinking that way, and that's just one part of my OCD, don't even, we can get into the anxiety part, is it's debilitating. And it's insane, but I personally feel like I would not change having, OCD, ADHD, and anxiety for anything because, one, I'm on medication and it's a grand world. But also, two, I think it's made me such a freaking better coach because I have experienced things on such a deep level that when I see my students going through these pain points, like, there's so much empathy from it. Do you feel that way?
1: I read this book a while ago my therapist recommended it. it's called and now we make the beast beautiful and
0: and now we make beast beautiful
1: it's either and now or and then and then we make the beast beautiful and it's written by a woman named samantha something and she she has like everything she has bipolar disorder anxiety depression ocd she has a lot of stuff and she went on like a journey her whole life of trying to heal herself and come out of these things and the whole book is basically that she realized they will never go no matter what kind of medication no matter what kind of therapy there's just it's never going to go away and so then she decided to flip the script and make what she thought was really monstrous about her something beautiful so now she is on this journey of like accepting her bipolar disorder and accepting her depression and accepting it and it's not accepting it but also like this is what makes me unique not also not not going off the deep end and like th- there's a difference between accepting something and mm-hmm. being like i'm gonna make everyone else deal with my problems <laughs> This wasn't that she was just she noticed that, you know, she's really creative, but then she has really low lows and she wanted to get out of those low lows. But then she realized I have to unfortunately live in them until Mm -hmm. the high comes back. And I don't have bipolar disorder, but I I have family members that have it. So I've experienced it on the outside. But having like anxiety and depression my whole life has been like, how do I get rid of it? And I remember like looking around at people. And I still do this today, especially if I'm having like a panic attack. If I'm like in a store, I will look around and I will think to myself, all of these people are walking around. Everything's okay, And I am not like, why is it that everyone else gets to go about their day, but I don't get to go about my day without losing my mind. And my therapist is like, if only you could see the thoughts that all mm-hmm. of those people <laughs> are having as well. But I'm somewhat like, I've now finally gotten to a place where I'm like, okay, if I, I get weird depression at weird times, it doesn't, it it comes and goes throughout the day. I don't, I don't feel even keel throughout the day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's not just like tired, hungry. It's not just like basic. It's like low lows. And then I get high highs and then I get low. Lows, and I go up and down And I used to try to figure out, okay, medication will help me with that. And and it has. But also, why is it so bad to be low? I guess I have to sometimes accept the low part.
0: Yeah. I mean, isn't loving yourself like truly accepting every part of yourself?
1: Well, I think learning to accept... I don't love it. I wish I did. I don't love that part of myself. Maybe one day I will. But I have accepted that part of myself. But I think that's what makes... One of my gifts of coaching is when someone's going through a low or hard time. I think a lot of coaching programs kind of steer away from that. Oh, don't they're want like, to talk
0: to you. yeah,
1: yeah. They're like they don't want to get themselves into a situation where like I think people assume when someone's feeling low, especially in a coaching program, like I have to solve the problem or they're gonna sue me because what I told them didn't work you know it's like it did work but like this person's having a moment and I think having anxiety and depression I can talk to someone even if they don't have anxiety or depression people still experience lows
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I can sit there with them and be like yeah I know what this feels like let's get the popcorn let's chill here and it's a phase and we're gonna sit here together and I'm not uncomfortable by it because I've been in it and I think having those moments has removed any kind of fear of anyone else having that moment, especially in coaching. My business is going under. We're not making any money. We're having the slowest month we've ever had. And it's like, okay, I know what this feels like. I, yeah. I know what this feels like. I've been there emotionally, but I also know it doesn't last. I also know it's only 10% true. Mm-hmm.
0: There's a huge <laughs> illusion.
1: I, I think that's something I've had to learn too is like, your anxiety and depression are real, but the stuff, and same with you, I'm sure with the OCD, like oh, the yeah. thoughts.
0: Yeah, the intrusion. There's,
1: tr- there's a little bit of truth in it. That's what fuels,
0: mm-hmm.
1: for example, if you worry about people and they don't call you back, you've done it to me where, like,
0: you're like, are I you just dead? assume you're dead. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you joke about it, but I think you actually might yeah, think there's I've truth died. in that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a little 10% truth, which is I haven't called you. That is true. But then the 90% is that I've been killed. Yeah. <laughs> and i think that when we i think the fact that you battle that i battle my stuff all of our coaches battle their own stuff and everyone out there battles their own demons i think it's kind of dangerous to be like i want to get to a place where i'm have no mental health issues yeah am i the only person that thought that is no. everyone out there okay You're <laughs> I'm not. like, maybe maybe i'm saying this and everyone's like yeah david we all know we have to accept our mental health and i'm <laughs> like like, did I? No, I anyone... think it's
0: part of the process too. I think a lot of people suffer because they haven't, they can't accept that that it's not going away. And I think that was the both aha moment for me talking to my therapist and coach. And we actually suggest everybody. I mean, obviously, we talk to hairstylists. Get a therapist. But everybody in the world. Like, if you can, you know, there's so many options financially even without insurance, to speak to someone so many communities especially for our lgbtqia plus communities like there are resources where you can go and talk to people and connect and i think that's that's the thing that you have to do but i remember my my coach telling me You keep talking about it like something you do. Because I would come to her and be like, I'm feeling this way. What do I do? I was like constantly searching obsessively for an answer to solve the problem. And she finally just looked at me and was like, she got it. She was like, you know, it's never going to go away. And I kind of just stared at her back like, what the hell are you talking about, crazy? Like, yes, it has to go away. I'm going to do the proactive thing. You're like, there's
1: something wrong. So now... It yeah, like corrected.
0: I'm going I'm to be on my best behavior. I'm going to think emotion with emotional intelligence. I'm going to do all these things, right? Like all the stuff that we teach our students. But I would feel so much guilt when I messed up or if I like did something wrong. And I think that's why we try to be vulnerable about our mental health and be, not being perfect. Because I think there's an illusion of like, if you are successful, you have to be perfect. And I actually think
1: I think it's the opposite.
0: I think it's absolutely the opposite. But I remember who's
1: successful is a giant hot mess.
0: You know what I think makes success, and it's not even money. I think it's being consistent in whatever you do. That's it.
1: I'm consistently anxious
0: and showing up. That's
1: it. I am. Even if you show up with
0: anxiety and you're standing there, (laughs) if you're consistent, I think that's the thing that people look for is. Consistency creates safety, right? So, like, especially in a business, if someone is consistent about something, there's a security about it. Even if you're consistently toxic. Think about that. Like, toxic salons that it is abusive.
1: There's a security in it.
0: There's a security in it because it's, like, you know what to expect. And that's even, like, the like that's the...
1: It's the same with relationships.
0: Yeah. People will stay in toxic relationships because they're like, oh, well, I know... How this fight's gonna go.
1: I've handled and it. That, I got it. Yeah.
0: That's easier. Taking that on is easier than I... going out and finding someone new.
1: The podcast is really talking about the benefits of mental health issues. And I wanna be clear like, I know there are people out there that suffer tremendously more than me and Sid with their mental health. And we're not saying that people should not seek help and solutions to problems. But I also think that people out there that are like, there's something wrong with me, I have to change it. It's no different than like, you and I growing up gay and having the same thought. Yeah, They're not comparable. I wouldn't compare mental health issues with being gay, but there's, it's like, okay, I'm gay. Society is already telling me that's wrong. Now I have anxiety. So now I'm freaking out for no reason. Society is telling me that's wrong. I have depression. I'm supposed to be able to work 24 hours a day. Society is yeah. telling me that that's wrong, that I need to sleep. Like, there's so much out there that's telling us that there's something wrong with us.
0: Don't eat carbs. Eat the carbs. Fruit's bad. Eat fruit. Egg yolk.
1: No egg yolk.
0: <laughs> yeah. <right>? Like. <laughs> if you run, you're going to break your body. But walking's yeah. not enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fruit's good for you, but it yeah. also is sugar. Yeah. So, like, it can become overwhelming, right? And I think. I guess and I'm going to say this, and I if there's anyone out there that disagrees with me, that's okay. But now that I've come on the other side of the depression stuff, I still have it. I have it every day. But, like, I kind of am obsessed with it being part of who I am now. Like, I now know that at 2 o'clock in the middle of the day, somehow that's when the depression comes in for me. And I'm going to go for a walk.
0: It's the witching. and
1: it's the witching hour for me and I'm going to go for a walk and I'm going to not try to get out of it. I'm going to actually live in it and I'm going to be like, this is my two o'clock depression window and I'm going to feel it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that I don't know about you, but I spent most of my life trying not to feel it. Like get out of it, get out of it, get out of it, get it. Like, don't feel sad. Don't feel empty. How do I fill it with something? Caffeine, 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 caffeine. (laughs) Right. And it's like, I think that, even though it's been a struggle, I don't think we would have created "Destroy the Hairdresser" without mm-hmm. the depression, anxiety, and the OCD. I, I really don't think. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it would have happened because I think we would have been satisfied with life, on yeah. a on a very basic level. We wouldn't have needed something to. Yeah. Work on and grow.
0: I think that's like I said in the beginning of like that empathy. When you have an industry that we're very in love with, suffering, you can empathize what suffering feels like even if it's your own version of suffering. And I think to be able to resonate with that and just be able to talk to people and just be heard, I think is so powerful, which is why we don't do things traditionally as a coaching company. We want you to be able to talk to someone. You want We want you to be able to connect with people that are going through the same thing. We encourage you to talk about these pain points. It's not a competition. Share your struggles because there's wins out of all of them. Someone will share their struggle and now that other person just learned from something that they haven't experienced but they're not gonna do it and then that person will mess up and share it. And My favorite thing to do as a coach is when someone's like, I freaked out at my stylist and I'm like, great, you did. And what? Like, you know, there's no point in shaming. It's like, what did you get out of that? Well, I got this. Like, sometimes we get in a deeper conversation about how they were feeling and what they were doing and what they got out of it and and what led up to that moment. And instead of just being like, oh, that's bad or good. It's black and white. Like, no, there's gray in there. Let's talk about that. And then they learn this whole valuable lesson. And even though they might have severed a relationship in that moment, it doesn't mean that there can't be a redemption afterwards where something was learned and they could be the best owner or leader they ever were because of that awful moment. That's why we talk about a non-compete a lot, but not, that's why I can't stand them because it's like, can you imagine like being punished for who you were at 20 years old and making a mistake and not being able to ever grow from it?
1: <laughs> I was watching this thing. I can't remember what it was. And whenever that person would say goodbye, they would say, good luck on your quest for equilibrium. Mm. And it was just like, and I remember hearing it and it, it's, it was meant to be kind of funny and like over the top, but it's also like, isn't that what literally all of us are doing throughout yeah. the day? Yeah. We're trying to make more money. We're trying to get the, we're trying to eat. We're trying to find a relationship. We're, we're just on a quest for this like equilibrium and
0: what's funny is, I don't think we ever actually get it. No. because think I, if, I want everyone listening and even you and I right now I'm to imagine listening. like all ears. I think about where we are in this moment. And I flash back to two thousand and sixteen when we were living in Brooklyn, scrounging up dollars to feed each other, had this dream of creating this company. And this was everything, if not more, that we could have imagined what this company could have turned into. Probably more than we And there was
1: no equilibrium in that process. I can tell you that right now.
0: No, but.
1: (laughs) And it was all mental health issues.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What's insane is getting to the point of like, okay, now what? What's my new quest? And appreciation. I think that's the one people are always looking for more that they're constantly living in the place of lack that they forget to stop and just be like, wow, like, look what I have done. Look what I did do. It's better than that, like, and And look what I
1: did while having these mental health issues with
0: anxiety, yeah. Yeah, look what I
1: did. Look what I did. Like, when you're looking back, you you kind of you kind of like sugarcoat it. Mm -hmm. You're like, I worked hard. It's like, no, there were days where I was like, a hot mess, absolutely. And there were days where I was like, shut this shit down. There were days where we didn't have any money. There were days where we had a lot of money. There were, and it's like. There was no equilibrium. My I was unmedicated at the time. <laughs> there was no medication. So I don't know how anyone put up with me. Yeah. and it, I, But I also know that without all of those experiences, we wouldn't be able to coach people.
0: Mm-mm. Which is why we, like, everyone's like, well, why do you have students become coaches, right? And it's like, I could train all of you listening. Yeah, we could on the do the a course on
1: how to become a coach.
0: Yeah, and... There's a little it won't
1: have the same impact.
0: It won't have the same impact because one, you'd have to implement all of those things in your business in order to have the reputation as a coach. Like how can you coach two methods that you are not implementing within your own business? And how can you
1: coach the methods that you implemented and then troubleshooted and dealt with the fallout and dealt Mm -hmm. with the reactivity and dealt unless you've dealt with all of those things, your advice is a little bit empty.
0: Yeah. You know, and
1: like We've had coaches where they give you advice and you're like, this isn't clicking. You know, I've gone to therapists that give me advice. And I'm like, oh, you're, you've never yeah. experienced what I've, ex- you don't know what, like your advice is good and they're probably right, but it's missing the shared experience and it's missing the empathy there. And I think that's what's different about our program.
0: I also think, being a coach now, like all our coaches that have experienced going through all of our destroy the hairdresser methods, like you said, implementing them, troubleshooting them, they can relate to their students on a different level of like, I've been there. And the students, there's more rapport and respect because the students are like, okay, my coach has done that. My coach has experienced that. And that's so great. You, you talked about that quote that you heard, and it made me think of another one, like, because I've been reading a lot of like, parenting books, because even though I know I will fuck my kids up, I'd like to try not to as much as possible. (laughs) But one of them was to stop saying, be careful to dangerous things. And I was like, oh, my God, like, you think about it, like, they're on the edge of the dock, and they're looking at the water, and you're like, be careful. And what it does is it creates anxiety around just standing on a dock, or Anything like that. and You know, that was my scenario. Instead, you
1: say, good luck, and then you kick him off.
0: <laughs> the the response <laughs> should be, be aware. Be aware of your surroundings. Like, I know you're on that skateboard, but just be aware Choices. of your Choices. Yeah. Make sure you look at the road while you're skating. It's not... Be careful! Skating so dangerous. Getting on a skateboard is not dangerous. Of course, it's dangerous. Walking down the street is dangerous. Being in your house alone is dangerous. Like anything. Being alive. <laughs> yeah, anything is dangerous. But if you kind of switch it and you're like, okay, we'll just be aware, and you are choosing to take personal responsibility to get on that skateboard, and whatever happens, happens. It's and hard to break all it.
1: those sayings because we grew up with them. Oh, I. Know. I I notice that I start doing them when I'm around my nieces and nephews, and they're they're like preteens and younger. Mm-hmm. I'll start saying things like, "It's called, in psychology, it's called adultism." Yeah. When you start tr- start saying things and treating children like children, and it's really a form of you trying to be an adult.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. It's true. <laughs> like
0: so, leave them alone. Let them like mess up. Like it's okay. Yeah. And we tell our leaders to do the same things. I'm like, stop trying to like. It's one thing to educate your team about things that could happen. But you have to let them experience the pain of it. And so many leaders try to stop their teams from experiencing pain. And I'm like, that's the worst thing that you can do. Let them have a client yell at them. We all have. It sucks. But I yeah, also my learned brother, from it.
1: My brother and his wife parented their kids a lot differently than we were raised. At first, when I was, he's 10 years older. So he started having kids when he was like 26, 27. 28, I don't know. So I was like 16, 17 or 18 and I would watch him parent his kids and I'm, you know, I'm young and naive and I'm like, that's not how you do it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like that sounds crazy, but his kids would rough house. And in my head, I'm like, are you going to tell them to stop? And in his mind, he's like, no, I'm going to let them do it. And when they hurt themselves, I'm going to use critical thinking, discuss with them how that happened, how they think they can avoid it next time what they think the solutions are. And I'm like,
0: you mean everything we teach in our program,
1: everything we teach now, but I'm like, Oh my God, no one ever did that when I was a kid. Like if I fell, my mom would bring me to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And now I have a fear of hospitals and a fear of like getting hurt and anxiety and depression. And here we are. (laughs) The mental health issues that we have are twofold. One, they make us who we are and they need to be either medicated or you know, using therapy, using different methods to heal and soothe ourselves. But at the same time, our ability to work through them is what makes us problem solving critical thinking people. The fact that we all have anxiety as kids is what is making you read that book. Uh Right. You're like, I know this all stems from something. Mm -hmm. And I know that my kids will probably also be fucked up and have their own issues, but I can at least take action to make it better. And I think it's the same in the salon industry. It's the same in any industry. I can, I know what it was like for me. Now I need to start taking actions to make it better. And the funny thing is that as you try to make things better, people will fight you. Yep. If you try to parent better, people will tell you it's wrong. If you try to do run your business differently, people will tell you it's wrong. It's kind of like, uh,
0: at some point you have to say, I'm going to stop being careful and just be aware. (laughs) I'm just gonna stop being careful. Yeah, and just be aware and deal with it as it comes to you. And I think that's the thing. It's like everyone's going to have an opinion about everything. That's okay.
1: (laughs) Stop being careful. Be aware. Bye, everyone. (laughs) Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast.
0: There was not enough makeup or feminine attire that I could wear to make them respect me for my art and craft. The clients were complaining that they didn't like my vibe, they didn't feel like I fit in. All based on my looks, not on my talent.
1: So homophobic.
0: They let me go around Christmas, and they actually paid me money to leave. Which, looking back, I'm like, "Uh, I should have sued them.